Bible reading to uh, begin with. Uh, and if you can open up either on your devices or if you're old school like me, <laughs> you might open up to Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to be reading from uh, verse 19 through to verse 30. And this section's titled uh, The Church in Antioch. verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for, for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The dis disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders, the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that we can gather here today. Um, I guess that the heritage of, 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 of what has come before. We give thanks for your spirit who has led us to faith in you and who continues to lead and inspire us. And Lord, we just commit this time now to you and ask that your spirit would open our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you, you think about it at face value, the rise of Christianity is a remarkable story. From one man, a carpenter's son, born and raised in a in an obscure corner of the world and with 12 largely unremarkable friends 
Jesus began a movement which now includes some 2.4 billion people right across the world, around a third of our world's population. More than anything else in the last 2,000 years, this movement has shaped society as we know it. And even if Christianity appears to be stagnating in the West, in other parts of the world like Africa and Asia, the movement continues to grow rapidly. It's a remarkable story. You know, we might sit here today feeling like we're in the minority. You know, that we're a little strange in the eyes of our society. But actually, we are part of an amazing movement. Uh, we, we sung about it this morning. Uh, when, when Jesus rose from the de- dead, the, the birth of the church and the Spirit led, uh, lit the flame. And we are, we are a part of that movement. And if I could take you to uh, places like Africa or, or India, where sometimes where there are gathered, you know, tens of thousands of people together, worshipping Jesus. It's, it's amazing. So we might feel like the minority at times, but really we are a part of a great movement, a remarkable story. So how did we get here? From these 12 uneducated men to whom Jesus left his mission, how did this movement grow to become what it is today? Well, clearly the incredible resurrection of Jesus was the ignition point uh, for the Christian movement. And of course, the Holy Spirit who Jesus sent after he had gone has fueled the ongoing spread of Christianity right throughout the world. But in terms of human involvement and, if you like, a strategy uh, for the rise of Christianity, how has this movement spread in our world? Well, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, uh, we know it as the Great Commission, is a good summary of Jesus' plan for how his followers would participate in his mission. Uh, Jesus said these words uh, to his 12 after the resurrection and prior to ascending to heaven. Uh, There gathered with him were his 12, or actually at this point there was only 11. Judas had... um, betrayed Jesus and gone his own way. But Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So how have we got here? Jesus' strategy for his 12 and all who would follow is that we would make disciples. Essentially that through the Spirit we would reproduce ourselves passing on our faith in the risen one to others who could also pass on their faith to others. So what does this look like today? What does this look like in South Asia, in Thailand? What does it look like in outback Australia, in Melbourne? What does this look like in Wangaratta? 
Well, Baptist Mission Australia's theme uh, for 2023 and my topic for today's talk is the theme, Alongsiders. Alongsiders. Now, if you're anything like me, when I first saw that word, you might be thinking, what does that even mean? <laughs> Alongsiders. It's not a word that we use in everyday language. You won't find it in most dictionaries. Uh, you probably wouldn't get away with it in Scrabble. What does this word even mean? Well, the word alongside her was first coined by a fellow by the name of Bill Mowry, an American, uh, who wrote this book, The Ways of the Alongsider, back in 2010. And the term kind of describes a, a, a relational discipleship that Jesus and his disciples practiced. It also describes what I believe is one, uh, has been and is one of the keys to the growth of the Christian movement right through the centuries. And it illustrates the kind of people we are looking for right now at Baptist Mission Australia. But to give this term alongside us some flesh and bones this morning... I want to look at the passage that, was that, that I just read to us before from Acts chapter 11. And it will be helpful if you have that passage open um, this morning. And in particular, I want to look at a character in this passage who models what an alongsider is. So this morning, we're going to take a look at this guy. Well, a picture of that guy. <laughs> Barnabas. Now, I reckon Barnabas is a bit of an unsung hero in Christian history. Paul the Apostle, or Saul as he is named in this passage, would be well known to most of us, possibly the greatest missionary apostle since Jesus. But if not for Barnabas and the way he came alongside Paul, Paul may never have become the great leader and missionary that he was. So what do we know about Barnabas? Well, we know that Barnabas actually wasn't his real name. Acts chapter 4 tells us that, uh, when, and this is when the church was first emerging, that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas's actual name was Joseph. Okay, another Joseph, don't think of uh, the, the father of Jesus, a different Joseph, common name. But the apostles gave him this nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What a great nickname, don't you think? Son of encouragement. Wouldn't you like to be known uh, for a godly characteristic like this? Compassion, love, joy, something? Well, this guy Joseph was known as Barnabas, the son of encouragement, presumably uh, because that is how he lived his life. We also know that uh, Barnabas was uh, descended from the tribe of Levi. He was a Levite that he was from Cyprus, uh, an island in the Mediterranean Sea, and he was probably relatively wealthy and that he was able to give land away 
for the for the cause of the of the early church. The first time Barnabas is linked with Paul is in Acts chapter nine. So Paul, the apostle, um, had been well known as a persecutor of the church. He went out and found Christians who he could persecute. Um, But then he had this incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You probably remember the story. And he became a a believer. And it was an amazingly uh, unexpected turn of events. And when Paul then later tries to join the church in Jerusalem, everyone is afraid of him because of his past. And they kind of lock him out because they aren't sure that he's not just a traitor who's going to turn on them. But Barnabas, we're told, took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and, how, and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas, probably a, a more mature and uh, trusted man within the community, comes alongside Paul and helps him find his way within the believing community. Now fast forward to Acts chapter 11. Because it's here in this passage that I read just before that Barnabas's role as an, an alongsider launches Paul into the work that God had prepared for him and that we can read about in the rest of the book of Acts. And it's here, if we are looking for some characteristics of what an alongsider is, that, uh, that we will find some of these in the person of Barnabas. So I'm going to highlight three characteristics of what an alongsider is. And there's many more, but these are, these are three that we can find in this passage. And as I do this, I want you to ask yourself, do I identify with Barnabas? Does this term, alongsider, resonate with who I am and how I serve Jesus? Is this a role that I might also be equipped for? And if so, who might God be calling me to come alongside this year? Okay, so three characteristics of an alongsider. First of all, alongsiders are able to see the grace of God. So a bit of context here. To this point in the the story, the, the Christian story, the church has basically been a Jewish movement. Okay, so Jesus was a Jew. His 12 followers, all Jewish, all Jewish. And the early church was exclusively uh, Jewish. But in the city of Antioch, we read, um, and you can see it just there, Antioch. It's in modern-day Turkey. There's a city called Antakya there. In fact, the, the earthquakes in Turkey that happened earlier this year were in this location. Okay. So here's the city of Antioch. And we're told uh, that men from Cyprus and Cyrene started to share the good news of Jesus there with Greeks 
okay? So non-Jewish people, they start to share the good news of Jesus with Greeks. And lo and behold, a large number of these people begin to believe and start following Jesus. Now, when the church in Jerusalem down here, um, which was like headquarters for the early Christian movement, hears this, they're concerned that what is happening may not be actually genuine. So they send their trusted friend Barnabas, maybe because he also grew up in, in Cyprus, so there's Cyprus, and understood some of the culture. They send Barnabas up uh, to see what's going on. What a great choice that was. We're told that in verse 23, when he arrived and saw, saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas, led by the Holy Spirit and full of faith, is able to see God at work in what is happening. Now this is really important. You see, mission is the initiative of God's Spirit who Jesus sent to come alongside us. We read about that in John 14. And it's the Spirit who leads us to see the work of God around us and come alongside others to encourage that. Barnabas, seeing evidence for the grace of God, encourages the believers at Antioch to remain true to the Lord and the church grows. But then Barnabas does something which is classic alongsider behaviour. Remembering this man in whom he had also seen the grace of God at work, Barnabas goes to Tarsus up here to search for Paul. And when he finds him, he brings him back down to Antioch to work with him alongside him. wonder if any of you have heard of Morris Lee. Anyone? He's actually a part of uh, the South Asia team. There he is, uh, showing a good forward defence there to some uh, South Asian youngsters. Morris is on the South Asia team and, and something of a mentor to us uh, newer ones on the team. When Morris first went to South Asia in 1977 and uh, uh, he later then founded the development organisation that we work through. But back in the 90s, when we were weighing up how to reach the majority Muslim population there, it was a young man who we refer to today as Mordecai that God used to advance the work there. Now, Mordecai was a... Um, he was an interesting character. Uh, Susie and I got to met him, meet him not long before he died. But he was a Muslim background believer uh, who'd come to faith in uh, another part of South Asia. And he kind of hung around the fringes of the Christian community at that time. Now, bear in mind, we were doing things differently back then. Uh, it was a mission compound. Uh, we started hospitals and schools and uh, churches 
And this guy, Mordecai, kind of hung around the fringes of the Christian community. Most of the believers at that time saw this guy, Mordecai, as a bit of a troublemaker. He could be outspoken and uh, often critical of the missionaries and their ways. And he just did not look like your typical leader. Morris, however, uh, had had some dealings with Mordecai and could see God at work in his life, despite his difficult way of being at times. And so he came alongside him and started to work with this guy. Morris tells the story that when he uh, shared his vision for a community development organisation with Mordecai, Mordecai was sort of reclined on a, a seat looking disinterested, and he suddenly leapt to his feet and immediately outlined how this should happen in a South Asian context. Mordecai became the first country director of our development organisation there, and his vision and influence has shaped much of our work in South Asia to this day. Morris was able to see the grace of God at work in Mordecai. Barnabas was able to see the grace of God at work in Paul and in the church at Antioch. I wonder, are you able to see evidence for the grace of God at work in people around you? Are you able to see Jesus at work? Is this an alongside a quality that you possess? You know, sometimes we see God at work in surprising places and in surprising people. It's not always in those you might expect. Could be a neighbour who's responding in some way to your friendship or a work colleague. It might be someone that that others, even at church, find difficult at times. Are you able to see evidence for the grace of God at work in people around you? Do you see the Spirit at work? This is the first quality of an alongsider. Secondly, alongsiders understand apprenticeship and invite others in. You know, Barnabas perhaps didn't need Paul in Antioch. Verse 24 tells us that a great number of people were were brought to the Lord while Barnabas worked alone in Antioch. But Barnabas sees an opportunity for Paul to grow and he seeks him out to work alongside him in this church in Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Can you imagine how much Paul learned during that time? You see, discipleship is best learned in apprenticeship, not in a classroom. Maori writes, Alongsiders do not give instructions from a distance. They intentionally come alongside people in the classroom of life, demonstrating how to love God and live on mission. This is how Jesus operated with the twelve, isn't it? Mark 3.14 tells us that Jesus appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him. 
And over the next three years, Jesus shared his life with the 12 in an apprenticeship type model. You see, the life of a disciple is better shaped by show than tell. I remember a few years ago learning something about this with a friend of mine. Um, It was many years ago, actually, when I was uh, a physiotherapist working in a large physiotherapy department in uh, Ferntree Gully. And um, I'd befriended a number of people, but this, this fellow in particular, Andrew was his name, Six foot four, big guy, uh, quite a charismatic fellow. Uh, and we just got along well. And um, I shared a lot of my life with him over the years. We played golf together and various other things. Uh, one day Andrew came to me and he said he was engaged. Um, and he asked if I would marry him and his wife. Now, hard to know at this point whether he was a believer yet or not. But I remember... Um, beginning marriage preparation with this couple and we invited them to our our home for dinner first and then we were going to do the marriage preparation after so they came and shared a meal with us and our young children and after dinner it came time to put uh, the kids to bed and I remember Josh who was well he's 21 now so he's three at the time Um, I said Josh time for bed so I'm going to come and pray for you and he goes Uh, Yeah, I want him to come, (laughs) pointing at my friend Andrew. So anyway, I thought, okay, all right. So I brought Andrew along and we sat down there beside Josh's bed and um, I remember praying something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Josh. Thank you for his day today. As he goes to sleep now, watch over him. As he wakes to a new day, lead him in your paths. Bless him, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we went on and did our marriage preparation with Andrew and Megan. The next week, I think it probably was, we uh, invited Andrew and Megan over again to do uh, to do some more mar- marriage preparation. They came for dinner again. So same routine. Josh, time to go to bed. And he said, yeah, I want him to come. So I took Andrew in and we sat down by the bed and I said, time to pray, Josh. And he said to me, Dad, I want him to pray. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Okay. And he said, no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And you know what he prayed? Lord Jesus, I thank you for Josh. Thank you for his day today. As he goes to sleep now, watch over him. As he wakes to a new day, lead him in your paths. Bless him, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a guy who, very young in his faith, if he then, I can't remember. Um, And it may not have been word for word, but I just remember listening, thinking, wow. He's just repeated what I prayed last week. You see, the life of a disciple is better shaped by show than tell. You know, when I think of my own experience of discipleship, it is often the incidental things I've learned just through sharing faith with other believers that have shaped me the most. Even just listening to how someone answers a phone call or how they deal with a crisis situation and you're there as a bystander just taking it all in. 
I wonder, is there anyone who you might intentionally invite into your life to learn from you? To share meals with? To read the Bible with? Maybe to play golf with or go to the footy with or to go and visit someone together with? You see, alongside us understand apprenticeship and invite others Finally, alongsiders don't mind serving in obscurity. They don't mind flying under the radar. You know, if Barnabas had wanted his own name up in lights, if he'd wanted to build his own kingdom, he would never have invited Paul to share his ministry in Antioch. He could have taken all the credit for himself well it was God obviously who did it but you know but Barnabas saw what was possible for the kingdom of God if he could encourage Paul forward in his ministry even at the expense of his own prominence you know the last few verses of this section tell how the church at Antioch having received prophetic knowledge of a famine that was coming, decide to send a gift to the church in Jerusalem. So they take up a collection and send the gift to the church through Barnabas and Saul. Now at this stage it seems that Barnabas is still the more senior of these two evangelists by the fact that his name comes first. That's how they did things back then. And over the next two chapters in Acts, when Barnabas and Saul are mentioned together, five times, it is always Barnabas and Saul. But from the middle of chapter 13, when Barnabas and Paul, Paul has a, a name change there, are mentioned together, 13 times out of 16, they are listed as Paul and Barnabas, as Paul becomes the more important figure, and as Barnabas fades into the pages of obscurity. You see, alongsiders don't mind serving anonymously because they know that building into others and encourage, encouraging them will in the end achieve more for the kingdom of God. For Susie and I, this is going to be important for us when we go to South Asia because it's not us that are going to reach the local people. It's people there. As I look around this church, I see all these young people. You know, I think of, of you older ones here. Who's it going to be who reaches the northeast? It's going to be these younger ones. We need to encourage, come alongside them, build them up so that they can reach their own peers and friends. Alongsiders don't mind serving anonymously, knowing if they build into others, more is achieved for the kingdom of God. You know, I read the other day that if an evangelist won a person a day to Christ for 16 years, that's 5,840 believers. And probably a very happy evangelist. <laughs> but if in that same time, that same person chose to disciple one person per year, and then the two of them decided to disciple 
one person per year and so on. That's 65,536 believers in the same 16-year period. Now, things are never as linear and as perfect as that. But I hope you get the picture. I wonder if there is someone you might come alongside in the next year to encourage them in their discipleship journey. Currently, I'm walking alongside a couple called Simon and Karen. Do you remember them, Faye? They um, they were uh, they they were not your they are not your typical (laughs) church couple. They had no background in the church. They actually came to our church through mainly music, which Faye was a, a, a big part in at that time. Um, but they were difficult in lots of ways. Both came from very difficult backgrounds. But God was at work in their lives. And over the last few years, we've uh, I read the Bible together with Simon every week. We get together and, and use something called the Discovery Bible Method and listen to what God is saying. We've served in a food bank ministry together. Uh, late last year, we did an Alpha course together and Simon and Karen brought six others along to the Alpha course with them. We've actually got a... The reason I'm out tonight and not with m- my son at his Alpha course is I've got an Alpha course reunion tonight. So, anyway... God's at work in their lives, and through them, others are coming to know Jesus also. You know, it's been through relational discipleship alongside our ministry that the Christian movement has grown to become what it is today. People like Barnabas and other unknown believers, ordinary people like you and me who have... who have uh, looked for where God is at work and intentionally come alongside others to encourage them in their faith journey. I wonder if this is something you can identify with. As we prepare prepare to head to South Asia next year, this is the kind of ministry that we're going to be involved in. We'll be looking for people in South Asia who we can walk alongside and encourage to become the future leaders and evangelists in a South Asian context. And they'll be far more effective at that than we are. They know the language, they know the culture, they've got the networks. But it's not just in South Asia. It's here in Australia too. So I want to encourage you, if you can identify with Barnabas this morning, I want to encourage you to pray for someone who you can come alongside this year. Might be as simple as sharing a regular coffee or a meal together. Might be reading the Bible together. Serving uh, together in some way. You see, we are each invited to participate in the mission of God. And mission starts with relationship as we make ourselves available to being led by the Spirit to those who he is at work amongst. So let me pray, but thank you for having us uh, here today. Thank you for your prayers and your interest in what we have been called to. Uh, If you want to uh, 
hear a little more or understand a little more, there is a small table up the back there with some information on it and some photographs. Uh, we'd love to chat to you as well. But may God bless you as you follow him here in Wangaratta. And uh, may he, through his spirit, lead you to people who you can come alongside. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for the people who have come alongside us, helped us to grow, helped us to understand your incredible love for us. And Lord, we thank you for just the privilege of being a part of your worldwide family. We thank you for the, the mystery of being called to serve alongside you. And Lord, we pray as we listen to your spirit that you would help us to know what our part is in your mission in the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name.